We're looking at Psalm 25 this evening and the title of my sermon is Trusting God to Direct Your Path. In Psalm 25 and verse 1, King David prayed to God, saying to him, Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. He then opened up his heart about various concerns that he had, such as his sin, his enemies, and also he sought direction from the Lord. In this psalm, there is much for us to take on board in our own lives, and we do well to follow the example of David by committing all our cares to the Lord. First of all, we can consider David's sin. David prayed about his sin. Just look at a few verses here. Verse 7, for example. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. And verse 11. For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. And verse 18. Look upon mine affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. This is David, a man of God, a man after God's own heart, praying about his sin. In all likelihood, those sins would have included his adultery with Bathsheba, after all, he was he made reference to his past sins. Don't know how far back he was going there. Don't know when he wrote this psalm. But he quite possibly was writing about his adultery with Bathsheba, which resulted in her becoming pregnant. And in order to conceal his sin, he called Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, home from the war in the hope that he would have a time of intimacy with his wife and assume that the baby was his. However, Uriah was unwilling to spend time with his wife whilst there was a war to be fought and won. David then piled sin upon sin by arranging for that courageous man to be killed in battle. And that's precisely what happened. And during that dark chapter in King David's life, the Lord laid David's sin before him by the mouth of the prophet Nathan, who said to him, Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Although it was the children of Anamon, the enemy of Israel, that actually killed Uriah, David was blamed. Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, said the prophet Nathan. If you're a Christian having believed that all your sins, even the sins of your youth, were nailed to the cross... 2,000 years ago, thereabouts, long before you were conceived and born. 2,000 years ago, when the Lord Jesus Christ 
was lifted up to die. And he carried your sins in his own body. Then the Bible says to you, God remembers your sins no more. However, that does not mean that God forgets your sins. But it does mean that the debt, here we go with this morning again, the debt of the sin that you owed and that you could never pay was paid by the Lord Jesus Christ with his own precious blood. It means that you are justified by faith in Jesus. He is your righteousness and his life of obedience is credited to your account. You stand before God accepted in his beloved son, the Lord Jesus Christ. When God remembers your sins no more, it means that he will never hold your sins against you, nor will he condemn you. And that is because his only begotten son has already been punished in your place when your wickedness, your iniquity was laid upon him. Therefore, dear Christian, even though you have sinned against God, the God of your salvation in the past, and no doubt you will continue to sin against him in thought, in word, in the things that you do. God remembers your sins no more. How wonderful that is. And praise God for that. Yet for all that, in verse 7, David said, Remember not the sins of my youth. David's saying that to the God who remembers his sins no more. Remember not the sins of my youth. As such, even though God remembered his sins no more, David clearly did remember his past sins. Otherwise, why else would he say that? Likewise, even though God remembers your sins no more, if they have been dealt with at the cross of Christ, for reasons I've already said, no more condemnation for you. Your sins have been dealt with once and for all time at the cross. It does not mean to say that your past sins will never come back to haunt you later on in life and bring renewed shame and sorrow to you. But I suspect that you know that anyway from your own experience. I certainly do. I don't know how many times people have told me your sins have been dealt with and I know that and I praise God for that and I know that God remembers my sins no more but I do. I remember things that I used to do that I'm deeply ashamed of even now even though they've been cast into the deepest ocean. Quite possibly you have physical or mental afflictions and scars now because of past sins. And when you pray, remember not the sins of my youth, what you are in effect saying is, Lord, lighten and lessen the afflictions that lie upon me in my old age, or as I'm getting older, afflictions that are justly inflicted on me as a result of my folly and the sins of yesterday. 
And let's face it, an elderly pagan who has no interest in the Saviour's blood is unlikely to care less about the sins of his youth. Having spent a lifetime suppressing the truth of God and having his conscience seared as with a hot iron. On the other hand, the elderly saint is much more likely to be deeply ashamed of his past conduct and his rebellion against a holy and righteous God. And so it is that he prays, remember not the sins of my youth. Having sealed his plea with an Amen, he can then rise up from his knees, freshly assured that his heavenly Father remembers his sins no more. On account of the Lord Jesus Christ suffering unto death for all his sin, including the folly of a misspent youth. Secondly, we can consider David's enemies. As well as praying to the Lord about what must surely be the greatest enemy of all, sin, David prayed concerning his human enemies. Look at verses, look, verse 2. Oh my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. And verse 19. Consider mine enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with cruel hatred. Which enemies David had in mind is anybody's guess. After all, he was a man of valour and he was a man of war. In Psalm 69 and verse 4, David said, They that hate me without cause are more than the hairs of mine head. That's a lot of people, isn't it? A lot of enemies, more than the hairs of his head. They that would destroy me, being mine enemies wrongfully, are mighty. David had a lot of enemies. David's many enemies even included his own son, Absalom, who rebelled against him and tried to take the kingdom of Israel from him. If you're a Christian, I trust you agree with me that there is nothing greater than having forgiveness for all your sins, past, present and future. God remembering your sins no more, being reconciled to God, being redeemed by the blood of the Lamb of God, having a hope that reaches up to heaven where Jesus is. I could very easily go on listing various blessings that you have right now in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Despite having all those blessings, you probably found out very quickly that as a Christian, you will have tribulation in the form of persecution and evil words proceeding from the mouths of the enemies of Christ, if you are salt and light in this world. You'll get away with it if you're hiding your light under a bushel, but if you are living a life for the glory of God, you will receive tribulation. If that is your experience, then you keep very good company because not only did David and all the prophets and apostles have enemies and suffer affliction, Jesus was and still is despised and rejected by men. 
And though you will have tribulation, be of good cheer, because Jesus has overcome the world. How do you pray concerning your enemies, concerning those who resent you and who are out to get you simply because of your faith in Jesus and because of the righteous path that you seek to walk in as you are led by your good shepherd? In verse 2, David prayed, let not mine enemies triumph over me. That plea was primarily Not about himself, but about God's honour. I've been saying this on Sunday mornings. We see it in the Lord's Prayer. Ultimately, all our prayers should be prayed for the glory and honour of God. And what David prayed there, let not mine enemies triumph over me, was essentially about God's honour. For example, Spurgeon explained David's prayer as meaning... Suffer no wicked mouth to make blasphemous mirth out of my distresses by asking, where is thy God? There is a great jealousy in believers for the honour of God. And they cannot endure that unbelievers should taunt them with the failure of their expectations from the God of their salvation. In order for the wicked mouth to not make blasphemous mirth, out of your distresses, pray that you would not give an occasion to your enemies, the enemies of Christ, to blaspheme his holy name. Pray that you would not say or do anything that would encourage them to mock or to ridicule or to pour scorn on your Christian profession. Pray that when the enemies of the gospel watch you, as they will do, and they hear your words and scrutinise your actions, that they would be challenged by their own sinful conduct and their own filthy conversation. Thirdly, we see a loss of direction in Psalm 25. David was not only burdened with his sin and his enemies, but also it would seem that he had lost his way somewhat and was appealing to the Lord for direction, that he might live a holy and righteous life. Look again at verses 4 and 5. Show me thy ways, O Lord, teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy path, in thy truth, and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation on thee do I wait all the day what have we got there show me teach me lead me teach me that is the prayer of David to the Lord his God David's prayer in verses 4 and 5 was that he would not turn to the left or to the right but that he would patiently live a holy and righteous life in God's truth. David prayed those words despite declaring in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Then he goes on to say, he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. If it happened to David, it can happen to any of the Lord's people turning to the left 
to the right instead of walking in a holy and righteous path. There are so many things in the world to lure Christians away from a righteous path and away from God, such as persecution. And even if you're not persecuted, there's the fear of persecution or of being ostracised or excluded from society, from the community. There's that self-reliance that can take you away from a righteous path. Peer pressure at work or at school or college, in fact just about anywhere apart from in a Bible-believing church. There's fear of rejection, greed and selfish ambition. There's a capitulation to the lust of the flesh, ignorance of God's will, and so much more besides that can take you off the path of righteousness. Even as I was listing those examples of going astray and off the paths of righteousness, I could think of various antidotal verses, various verses of scripture, God's words, God's truth. For example, when it comes to fear of men and persecution, there are verses such as, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? That's Psalm 118 and verse 6. And blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 10. Read these verses and believe them and live them. With God enabling you. As for greed and selfish ambition, which uh, can, we can all be guilty of, what more could you possibly want or seek to achieve when you are a child of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? John chapter 1 and verse 12. And you are laying up for yourself <coughs> treasures in heaven. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 20. But you've got to be reading these verses uh, and, and to benefit from them. Inwardly digesting them into your soul and into your life. A sure way to walk a righteous path is whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. In other words, fill your mind with thoughts of Jesus. He is true. He is honest. He is just. He is pure. He is lovely. Fill your thoughts, your mind with thoughts of Jesus. In case you hadn't made the connection, the Lord Jesus Christ is the antidote for all of the things that so that can so easily take you off a holy and righteous path and that can lead you to the left, to the right and up the creek without a paddle. Therefore, look unto Jesus, the author and finisher 
of your faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. What does that all mean? It means prayerfully reading the word of Christ and letting it richly dwell in you, holding on to the promises of God that have their yea and their amen in the crucified and risen Saviour. It means drawing on the grace of Jesus, for it is a grace that not only saved you, but it is a grace that will keep you from falling, and ultimately it is a grace that will take you home to glory. Last of all, look at verse 5 again. Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. The Lord says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. There is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. The good news is that the Lord Jesus Christ, he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Therefore, repent, trust in Jesus as your saviour from sin and follow him on the paths of righteousness. For his namesake, for the glory of God. Amen.